Welcome to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide for October, November and December 2012. Titled, Growing in Christ, it's brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Lesson 2, October 6-12, Revelation and the God Revealed in It. Sabbath, October 6. It's Sabbath afternoon. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're opening your word again this week and we want to invite you to be there to guide us, to show us what you would have us know. As we look at how you revealed your word and who you are, we pray that our minds may be clear, but that our hearts may be open. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text for this week is Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Let's read that again, Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. And our key thought for this week is, however important it is to understand the way in which biblical inspiration works, it's more important to know the God who is revealed to us through that inspiration. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Psalm 19 verse 1 What they don't declare, however, is that our God loves us, died for us, and is actively working to save us from the consequences of our sinful choices. The bottom line is that Whatever we can learn about God from other sources, the key source has to be the Bible. There are great truths, especially about the nature of God and his activity in this world, that we would know nothing about were it not revealed to us. As we have seen already, while people can sense something of a battle going on between good and evil, how else would they know of the great controversy were it not taught in the scriptures? This week, we'll focus on two things. First, we'll look at what the Bible says about itself and how it was inspired. Next, we'll see what it teaches about the God who inspired it. Sunday, October 7, The Doctrine of Scripture Question. Read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19-21. to 21. What do these verses tell us about how the New Testament authors regarded the Scriptures? And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 
Peter confirms that the prophecies of the Old Testament were not of human origin. His argument is that the prophets spoke because they were moved by the Spirit of God. The expression moved by the Spirit of God means that the impulse that led to the writings of the Scriptures came from the Holy Spirit. In short, the Bible writers were inspired by the Lord himself. Question. Read 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. What do these verses tell us about the Bible and the ways in which it's to be used? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's very clear that Paul wished Timothy to understand that because the scriptures are divinely produced, they are dependable and valuable for the building up of the believer. Paul leaves no question as to scripture's truthfulness, authority and origin. Notice too that he is talking about all scripture. Paul doesn't leave us the option to pick and choose which parts we think are inspired and which parts aren't. Not everything, such as the ceremonial laws, is still binding on us, but that fact is radically different from the claim that some parts of the Bible are inspired and others aren't, or that some parts aren't as inspired as other parts, whatever that's supposed to mean. Question. Read Matthew chapter 4, verses 4, 7 and 10, and chapter 22, verses 41 to 46, and John 10, 34 to 35. What crucial truth about Scripture and the authority of Scripture can we take from these texts? Matthew chapter 4, verses 4, 7 and 10. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And then Matthew 22, verses 41 to 46. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, how then does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day on did anyone dare question him any more. And then John chapter 10 verses 34 and 35. Jesus answers them, is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? No matter what we believe, we need a starting point, a foundation upon which to base that belief. For Seventh-day Adventist Christians, that foundation is the Bible, the ultimate standard and arbiter of truth. So, to finish the day, how much time do you spend in the Word? How much of your life is patterned by what it teaches? 
Think back on the last 24 hours. What have you done or not done in that time frame that was based on the authority of Scripture? Monday, October 8. The Nature of Inspiration Ellen White writes in Selected Messages, Book 1, page 21. It is not the words of the Bible that are inspired, but the men that were inspired. Inspiration acts not on the man's words or his expressions, but on the man himself, who, under the influence of the Holy Ghost, is imbued with thoughts. But the words receive the impress of the individual mind, the divine mind is diffused. The divine mind and will is combined with the human mind and will. Thus the utterances of the man are the word of God. How do these words help us to understand how biblical inspiration works? In the whole question regarding inspiration, people sometimes get obsessed with what are often deemed as problematic texts. Consider, for example, the wording of the inscription above Jesus' cross as depicted in the Gospels. According to Matthew 27.37, it said, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. According to Mark 15.26, The King of the Jews. According to Luke 23.38, This is the King of the Jews. How are we to understand these differences? As the Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is trustworthy, yet we are given different accounts of the inspiration on Jesus' cross. These two points together can give us insight into the way in which inspiration works. This case shows that inspiration permits different expressions of an idea or event to the extent that the expressions adequately depict it. When a general approximation is an adequate expression, as in the inscriptions on the cross, Inspiration accommodates it. On the other hand, where specificity is required, as in 1 Kings chapter 6 verse 1, inspiration provides it and should be accepted as such. Question. Compare Acts chapter 1 verse 18 and Matthew 27 verse 5. In what ways do these accounts of Judas's death seem to differ? Acts chapter 1 verse 18. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And Matthew chapter 27 and verse 5. And that reads, And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went, and hanged himself. For a long time, critics of the Bible claimed that these verses gave conflicting accounts of Judas' death. However, recent research has shown that the word translated as falling headlong in Acts 1.18 also means swelling up. Therefore, it's likely that after hanging himself, Judas was not discovered until his corpse had swelled up, causing his intestines to burst open. The point is, what at first seemed to be contradictory is now shown not to be. The vast majority of the Bible is not problematic. 
In the few places where some questions remain about apparent errors or contradictions, the prudent attitude would be humility. Who knows how many people have made a shipwreck of faith by focusing on problem texts. We have not been called to stand in judgment over the word. We have been called instead to obey it. Tuesday, October 9, The Mystery of the Triune God Genesis 1.26 reads, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Understanding how inspiration works, however important, is only a means to an end, and that end is to know God. A deeper understanding of how the Bible was written, or even a deep understanding of the truths revealed in it, mean nothing if we don't know the Lord for ourselves. And one thing that the Bible explicitly affirms about the Lord is His oneness. Question. Read Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 and Mark chapter 12 verse 29. What crucial truth is found in these texts? Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And Mark 12.29, and Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The expression in the Bible about the oneness of God precludes any idea of many gods. There is only one God. However, the total picture we get from the Bible is that there is an inner content to him, even in his oneness. Question. Read Genesis chapter 126, chapter 322, chapter 11, verse 7, John 1, 1 to 3, and verse 18, John 20, verses 28, and 2 Corinthians 13, 14, and Matthew 28, 19. How do these texts begin to clarify the inner reality of God? Well, first of all, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then Genesis chapter 3 and verse 22, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live for ever. And in Genesis chapter 11, verse 7, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. And then John 1, 1 to 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And then in the same chapter, verse 18, No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. And then John chapter 20, verse 28, and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. 
and in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The Old Testament suggestion of plurality provides hints about the nature of the inner being of God. When we couple this with the New Testament statement about Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we start to realize that there's a lot about God's nature that we don't fully understand and probably never will. The triune aspect of God is one mystery among many with which we will have to learn to live. The information that the Bible gives about God, including his three-part nature, is not provided in order for us to engage in speculative philosophizing, but in order to further our understanding of his activities, especially his redemptive work on our behalf as the great controversy unfolds and is finally ended. So to finish today, who doesn't have a lot of questions that only God can answer? How can we learn to trust him until the time comes when he will give us answers? Wednesday, October 10, The Attributes of Our Creator The Bible reveals to us truths about God that we aren't going to find anywhere else. Among those truths is that He is the Creator. In fact, that's the first thing the Bible tells us about God, that He created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1.1. One of the most fascinating things about this text is that the Bible simply assumes the existence of God without trying to prove or show it. The Bible spends a great deal of time teaching us about what God is like, particularly as his character is revealed through his interaction with fallen humanity, but it spends no time trying to prove that he exists. It just assumes his existence. Question. Read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 and Romans 10:17. What do they say about God and the role that his word plays in bringing us awareness of his existence? Hebrews 11 verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then Romans chapter 10 verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Conviction about the existence of God cannot come from rational arguments alone. The Bible teaches that a person is convinced of God's existence through personal experience with him as the Holy Spirit impresses one's heart and mind with the fact of his existence. In many cases, people may come to believe in God first. Only after do they start to build a logical and intellectual foundation for faith in a God whom they cannot see. Question. Read Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, James 1.17, 1 John 4 verses 8 and 16, and 2 Chronicles 6.18. What do these texts tell us about the attributes of God? What other attributes of God are revealed in the Word? Malachi 
Chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. And then James, chapter 1, and verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow or turning. And then 1 John, chapter 4, verse 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then verse 16, And we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. And then Second Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 18. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee. How much less this house which I have built. So to finish today, dwell on the attributes of God as expressed in the scriptures. How many of them could you know from other sources, that is, from nature or from personal experience? What does your answer teach you about how crucial the scriptures are to our understanding of what God is truly like? Thursday, October 11, The Activities of God Even the most cursory reading of the Bible reveals that God is actively involved in humanity and what happens here on earth. He is not distant, detached or removed, as some ancient Greek concepts of God taught or as even some Christian theologians try to depict him. Though radically different from what he created, the Lord has intimately tied himself to his creation. Question as we saw yesterday, the Bible depicts the Lord as our Creator, an act that shows just how intricately tied to this world He really is. What do the following texts tell us about God's other activities here on earth, especially in the context of the great controversy? Well, first of all, Genesis chapter 11, verse 9. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. And Genesis 19:24. Then the Lord reigned from Sodom, then the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And then Exodus chapter 3 verses 1 to 14. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw from this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And God said, 
I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And then John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And finally, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Without a doubt, the Bible reveals a God who is greatly involved with humanity. The whole great controversy scenario is really about how the Lord is working to save humanity from the clutches of sin and Satan. From the first act, of the earth's creation in Genesis 1.1, to the cross in John 19.18, to the recreation of the earth in 2 Peter 3.12-13, the Bible shows us unequivocally the Lord's intimate activity with humanity. So, to finish the day, in what ways have you personally experienced the activity of God? In what ways have you seen him work in your life and in the lives of others? In what ways can you learn to draw comfort from knowing God's closeness and intimacy with us? Friday, October 12. In the book The Great Controversy, page 8 and 9, Ellen White writes, God has been pleased to communicate his truth to the world by human agencies, and he himself, by his Holy Spirit, qualified men and enabled them to do this work. He guided the mind in the selection of what to speak and what to write. The treasure was entrusted to earthen vessels, yet it is nonetheless from heaven. The testimony is conveyed through the imperfect expression of human language, yet it is the testimony of God, and the obedient, believing child of God beholds in it the glory of a divine power, full of grace and truth. 
In his word, God has committed to man the knowledge necessary for salvation. The Holy Scriptures are to be accepted as an authoritative, infallible revelation of his will. They are the standard of character, the revealer of doctrines, and the test of experience. Every scripture inspired of God is also profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction which is in righteousness, that the man of God may be completed, furnished completely unto every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And that ends the quote. That brings us now to our four discussion questions for this week. One, Apart from information we may obtain from the Bible, how confident can we be about our conclusions concerning God? Is there any room at all for an understanding of God from other sources? If so, what are those sources? And how can we be sure that the information they give us is correct? 2. Why is any worldview that denies the supernatural in fatal contradiction to the Word of God? 3. Science and technology have, in many ways, been a great blessing to humanity. In some ways, too, science has helped us to better understand the power of God. For instance, look at what it has shown us about the utter complexity of life. What, though, are the obvious limits to what science can teach us about God? When, too, can science work against a true understanding of God? 4. Why is the doctrine of a triune God, no matter how difficult to understand, so important to us as Seventh-day Adventists? Think what it would mean, for instance, if Christ were anything other than fully God. Inside Story. Yes, it's time for Inside Story. Embracing the world's cities. More than half the world's population lives in cities, yet the Seventh-day Adventist work in the cities languishes. God has a heart for cities. Speaking of Nineveh, he asked, Should I not be concerned about that great city? In Jonah chapter 4 and verse 11. When Jesus came to this earth, he had compassion on the people because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 9.36 Jesus showed how to minister. He mingled with people, showed sympathy, ministered to needs, won confidence and bid them to follow him. Pastor Wayne Krauss helped to plant a church in the area north of Sydney, Australia, where thousands of families live who have never entered a church. One day, a young man asked two women from the church to take him to a methadone clinic for treatment. They agreed and then prepared this young heroin addict a hot meal. The young man started attending church. Each Sabbath afternoon, members drove him to his methadone treatments. And when he had to appear in court, several church members went to support him. After the trial, the young man's mother approached the members who were helping her son. She asked if she could visit the church. A few weeks later, a group of people clad in black leather and heavy chains entered the church and sat in the front row. Pastor Krause changed his sermon to the great controversy between good and evil. 
After worship, Pastor Krauss met the visitors and learned they were the family of the young addict. They had come to see what kind of church showed such love to their son and brother. They asked Pastor Krauss how they could be on God's side. He explained the plan of salvation and then prayed to make Jesus the centre of their lives. None of them had a Bible, and the only Bibles Pastor Krauss could find them were in the lost and found. He offered them to his new friends and showed them where to start reading. One young man, a singer in a rock band, received a tattered Bible. Pastor Krauss offered to find him a nicer one, but the young singer gently stroked the Bible and said, No, please, I've never had a Bible. It's mine. Every city in the world is filled with people hungry for something better. They are sons and daughters of God, but they don't know it yet. Our commission is to go into the entire world to share God's love. That includes the cities. They're waiting for us. What are we waiting for? This has been Dr. Percy Harold with a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide recorded in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired in Queensland, Australia and brought to you by the Sabbath School Department and Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is still faithful.